Hi, Bill Crystal here, editor of the Weekly Standard. Here's my Christmas wish that the substandard podcast would go away. They are requesting a call sign. It's, um, Rogue. Rogue One. Lord Vader will provide us with the location of the Rebel Fortress by the time this station is operational. We will then crush the Rebellion with one swift stroke. Prepare ship for light speed! No, 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 light speed is too slow! Light speed too slow? Yes, we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed! <gasps> ludicrous speed? Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Welcome back to the Substandard with your hosts, Victor Mattis, Jonathan V. Last, and Sonny Bunch. Rogue One, a Star Wars story, is coming out December 16th, so we decided to make this our Star Wars special edition of the Substandard. Uh, and just a reminder, the Substandard is, again, available on iTunes. Just search for Substandard on a podcast. Be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends. Give us a review. Good to see you all. Uh, Sonny, it's good to have you back in the studio. Thank you. Uh, it was not the same without you, and yeah. just having you on Skype, you kind of sounded like Kylo Ren. Uh, that's I, I, thank you. I guess <laughs> Adam Driver, he's pretty. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Yes, you should think about uh, buying a vocabulizer. That's what I heard it's called on the mask, by the way, according to the books. Uh, and uh, Jonathan, how are you? Great. Good. Have you? Uh, we talked about techie gifts uh, on the last episode. Have you already? Started uh, planning on getting gifts for the toy uh, for the kids. Do you know what they want? Uh, we, you know, we don't do a lot of the traditional toys. We don't do like action figures and Barbies because we don't want to reinforce gender constructs that are created Smart. by society. Yeah. You know, our children are free to discover who they are, and we want to support their journey. So they play with mostly gender neutral toys. We like to get large hunks of irregular shape plastic from Scandinavian toy companies. And the children just invent their own fun with them. Yeah, you know what I hear? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm only half kidding, by the way. <laughs> that, I, I, you know what? If you have that, you'll just turn it into a gun, I think, what happens. Yeah. Turn it into the shape yes. of a gun Absolutely. or a plane. Um, my son asked for, assuming he's not listening to this podcast, uh, the Lego Slave 1. He got really Very into it. Very problematic. He was watching Very problematic. Empire Strikes Back. He saw it, and then he said... The, the catalog, of course, arrives at our house, and he says, look, 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 here's a Slave 1. You didn't think – I said, no, the, the, there's no Slave 1 in the catalog because it's all about Force Awakens. But sure enough, it was under the category of uh, hard to find, I believe it is. Rare mm. finds are hard to find. Mm. You know what that means. Yeah. How expensive uh, was it? Well, uh, 200 Buy it Oof. buy it now because it's going to get a lot that's more right. expensive. 200 is going to turn into 400 So that's what I thought. Yeah. And You're really saving money by buying a $200 no, What Lego you have to do is that's... buy two. The one you give to the kid, and the other one you sell on eBay six months oh, after yeah, Lego right. discontinues. You can make up for it. Then, then, and then the sets are free. Yes. Boy, what a way to think about it. That's like me going to Vegas gambling in order to make up for the airfare. That's how you pay for your airfare, yeah, your food, exactly. your hotel. You exactly. win it all and back meals, at the table. And getting comped meals why because you built spent that, thousands of dollars. That's why they built that city in the desert, all the free money they give away. That's right. That's right. So, you know what? We, I said, okay, well, I better get it because it's not going to be in the, you know, it's going to be uh, out of stock soon. And then, as you mentioned, the 
price is going to go up. So we did that. Didn't say, I told him, I don't know. I Probably not. Who knows? Whatever. I didn't say anything. And it's like somewhere in the basement, I think. And and then like a week later, he goes, you know what? You're right. You're right. I, I don't need Slave 1. But how about the Death Star? What about the Death Star? And that's definitely not going to happen. Um, that costs Why how much? Not? How much does the Death Star cost? I don't know how much it costs because Santa brought it for my son last oh, year. Oh, really? Because I was going to ask, uh, do either of you own a Lego Death Star? I don't own... I haven't bought a Lego set in like 20 years. Um <laughs> But every time I walk past, like, the Lego store at the mall or the the Lego aisle at Target, my eyes kind of bug out of my head, and I'm like, oh, so that's what that's what's awaiting my checkbook when, greatest, when my daughter turns, like, five. The greatest toys ever. The, uh, the, the Lego Death Star yes. is essentially a dollhouse for boys. It's so great. It's, so it's like this why do you giant need, Why do you need a dollhouse for boys? Why can't you just has, have a dollhouse? It has it all me? the... Well, I, like I said, it's Santa toy, not... Not a right. mommy and daddy comedy Santa, toy. Santa is the one who believes in gender constructs. Santa, not you know what? I believe thousands of years of history have proved this to be true. <laughs> and so what it is is when you look at it, it has each of the like iconic scenes from the three different movies all mashed up in them. And so you have like the trash compactor from the first movie. Then you have the freezing chamber from Empire. Oh, then you I have see. the battle chamber from the uh, Return of the Jedi. It's Unbelievably so cool. So it's like wait, an wait, 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 four, wait. five, six special. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. Yeah. So wait. Yes, and when we finish building it, it'll take up residence in my office <laughs> because it was a gift from Santa to my son. Hmm. <laughs> wait, I don't quite understand. So the Death Star uh, playset from Lego has scenes that don't take place on the Death Star within it. No, you know, I, I am. Are, I am. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Instant correction. It does not have the freezing chamber because okay. it does not have. Empire stuff, so it, okay. it is mashing up the two Death okay. Stars. Because that, that was one. Cloud City. Good. Yes, Good. I'm sorry. Because I was I was about to write a very strongly worded letter to Lego about the importance of canon. Strongly and worded, but polite because they're Scandinavian. Well, they, they are Scandinavian. Yes. You have to be polite. They're nice. They're nice folks. But you know what? It's interesting about that Lego Death Star you describe. It's almost like the original Kenner Death Star, which I had from like 1979. That was the greatest Christmas present I ever got. And it is just, you know, rather than try to build an entire sphere, a battle station as a toy, which is impossible, they try to make it to scale. And what they do is just give you a chunk of the Death Star. That's what that is. It's a chunk. And so it's like, like a cross section? Yes. Like a diorama? Yes. It's a total diorama cross section. That's exactly what it is, Sonny. So there's kind of a cardboard paper outside that looks like it would be the outside surface. The bottom floor is the garbage compactor, right? And it came with um, bits of st- uh, foam. And and the monster, and you can turn a wheel and then make the room you know smaller and have the wall move and get the figures tight. The monster, do you remember what the monster's name is? Where we might as well just totally geek out at this point. The monster's name was Dianoga. Dianoga. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and then there was a there was a midsection, which is where you can have the uh, star destroyer commanders sort of just working on pressing buttons because that's all they did was yeah. press buttons. <laughs> and the, that's right. That, you know, move that. It was a switchboard, yeah. and then the uh, drawbridge. There was a drawbridge. Mm. So, you know, it, it combined into that scene. Mm. And then the top floor was like a laser cannon, but you can make it Darth Vader's throne room if you felt like it. But that did was. You, did you feel like I it? Did. I did. That you was put his a little office. chair in there. I did. Well, it came with it. The, a little the desk cannon. and like some, some Darth Vader stationery. What, what, what's amazing is the cannon actually came with a chair. And it looked very oh. comfortable. So you could sit. Mm. I guess you would sit a Star Destroyer commander or a stormtrooper there. But that was, for me, that was always Darth Vader's chair. Now, yeah. what but you, the knees are not articulated. 
right? So when you sit no, them, no, you're reclining. You sit them it's down. like a lazy boy. Right. It's, it's like a lazy their boy. Feet are sitting straight yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, Sonny, you you mentioned uh, that you hadn't purchased uh, Star Wars toys at least since you were a child. Uh, so was this like uh, were you buying stuff from the Phantom Menace when you were a kid? <laughs> uh, yes, I was. I was ten years old when the Phantom. No, uh, I was seventeen when the Phantom. No, I. So my the only Star Wars toys I've ever purchased myself. Uh, it was when they did a re-release of the toys in, like, I want to say it was 97 wow. or 98. Well, that's when they did the re-release yeah. special yeah. edition. Yeah. So Which were so much better. Right. And I bought... Yeah, oh, I love those special really, editions. It really fleshed out all the things you were missing from the first from, yeah. the, from the original cuts. Uh, when I when I was, I guess, 15 or... It must have been 15. I'm pretty sure it was 97. I actually bought the like whole run, the whole like first run. I got the Boba Fett's and the you know and wow. and but it was very expensive and I didn't uh, have they were probably money. better. They were probably better quality than the original. Yes, Center very ones. very much so. So I put them on layaway at Walmart. <laughs> I got them all layaway. on the first day. I put them on layaway at Walmart and I paid them off like ten dollars a week for like uh, six months or some. some Are you? A la- I didn't know you were a layaway I, kind of guy. Do you look, do this I, at TJ Maxx? My you parents thought it was. My parents thought it was a very important lesson on learning financial responsibility. It was my first uh, experience with credit. Uh, it was really a. It was really so. That's anyway, true. so I bought all of these as an investment opportunity. Speaking of the like, buy one Lego set, save one to sell, and uh, they're sitting in a box uh, up in my parents' attic, molding away somewhere. But I did take one. I did take the Darth Vader toy, the Darth Vader action figure uh, slash doll, and uh, took it to be signed by one Dave Prowse. Whoa! Uh, and the I have, physical, I have the met, body of I've met Vader. the physical body of Darth Vader, and it was one of the really, honestly, one of the saddest moments of my life. It was the sh- the signing was set up by my local comic book store, and it took place in a trailer off the side of the highway. I can't believe you're married. <laughs> and <laughs> it was it was really it was uh, like he was he was very nice, Dave Dave Prowse. He loves he loves he meeting a, with did, fans. Did he have a voice and, that was even no. close? No, to, he's very British. He's very British. He's very he's he's a very large British man who like uh, if you if you follow he's like very upset with Lucasfilm. He's been fighting with them for years about money and and whatever and credit really more than anything else. Um, but he he's like kind of creaky and he's very again he's very big. He's very like uh, not quite Peter Mayhew Chewbacca big, but big now, dude. Not to uh, not I hate to jump all over the place because this is you know Star mm. Wars. With the three of us is opening up a can of worms here, but just a really quick aside, and I'll bring it back to the the main. Uh, is David Prowse? He's not the guy, however, when they take off Darth Vader's mask and Return of the Jedi. No, that's a different guy. That's so that's a whole guy. other body that he's they just. Use. He's the guy who walks around. Mm-hmm. He's a mannequin. Yeah. Uh, he's a walking mannequin. He was, and he's very upset because he be he thought too. he thought that the the voice of he was going to also be the voice of Darth Vader. So he did all the lines on the set, and he you know he liked. And when he finally saw the movie at the premiere oh. and heard James Earl Jones, he was furious. He yeah. was like, Lucas goes, no, no, that's just how you sound. Yeah. You know, everybody everybody <laughs> thinks they sound everybody differently sounds different. in their you own know, head than you, in that's, real that's life. True. That's just how you sound, David. No, so anyway, no. I, I have a signed Darth Vader action figure. Uh, that is one of my in a box. One of my pri- it, of course, it's in the oh, box. Good. He didn't sign the toy. <laughs> he, didn't he didn't sign, like, his, he didn't sign, sign his it. Button like, pad. Yeah, right. He didn't. He wasn't like signing the boobs of Darth Vader. You know, that's going to be worth dozens of dollars someday. I mean, it's probably, frankly, the only thing of value that I own. I don't know. You know, my, my buddy from home, John Buckley, claims that he had at the in, at the time, like 1983, purchased a Y-wing fighter and left it in the box. 
I don't know if, if if that is still true, how much that would be worth. It's probably worth a lot. A probably y worth wing. a fair amount. Yeah. A y wing. An the original y wings, y wing? The original Y-Wings were really low production runs, right? If I, yeah. Unless I'm, you could never find them at Kitty City or Toys R Us. And, and well, never, you would hear like, oh, I heard of Kitty somebody City? who bought one of these yes, once Kitty upon City. a time. Kitty C- yes. What is Kitty City? <laughs> it's a South Jersey toy chain. Yeah. You have them, right? Sad. Yeah. I've heard of it. But KB oh, Toys. Oh, well, KB. Who do you know? KB. I was a KB Kitty toy City. KB Toys is a real thing. Kitty City sounds like a child porn shop. It's where Michael Jackson's. Uh, you know, <laughs> multiple platform, vertically integrated shop. They do now, all sorts of things. What I was going to say is I remember the first Star Wars toy I got. It was like from a, a friend of my mother's. She gave me this. It was a three-pack of the action figures. And, you know, the story is that when Star Wars came out and Kenner finally got the license for it, they were way behind. And so the demand was astronomical, and they did not. They were not able to... Uh, um, meet that demand, and so you had to put in like coupons and things like that. And uh, but the the thing I got was a three pack of um, Darth Vader, a Star Destroyer Commander, and a Stormtrooper. Just those three. And that's what I played with, like for the first you know weeks or whatever. Until are those your first next... memories? Yeah. Are your first memories? No, no, no playing no. playing with my, your my, Star Wars no, dolls. My first memories, I think, is watching the uh, Dinosaur TV show. <laughs> I learned a lot of my, my broadcasting chops. I learned from oh, watching that and Merv Griffin. Um, but those three, I don't know, maybe that's why I like bad guys, but I, I enjoyed having those as the, uh, as the action figures. Um, and as I mentioned, the Death Star is probably one of my favorite things that I had. Although eventually it all gets taken apart and dismantled for some reason and, 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 and then pieces go missing. I had the Millennium Falcon. You grow up. Of course you did. But <laughs> you had the Death Star and the Millennium Falcon because yes. you're the doctor's yes. kid. The rich doctor's kid had everything. And by the way, that radar dish, gone. You know, that <laughs> you know it's gonna be gone very soon. The Millennium Falcon was excellent. Um what I did not have, but I wished I had, was Slave One. And because that came had with it. Oh, look at that. And it came with uh, Han Solo and Carbonate, right? Yeah, it was yeah, hollow. So cool. uh, like like backless hollow. So yeah, 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 yeah. I would yeah. say if, if they had like actually added the bottom piece to it, it would have been a little bit cooler. Everything about Slave One, if I could just say, felt cheap and chintzy. Uh, <laughs> like when I got it, I was so excited, and then when I got it out of the box, and I thought, man, someone's really squeezing us for but profits you know why? here. Because, but it's connected to Boba Fett, and I think that's that that that's right. Everything. Yeah, did you Boba send Fett away cool. for the Boba Fett? I can't remember if I did. I did, and it what? took like a year and a half. And when I got it finally, the rocket had been glued into it. Yes. You could see the glue on it where they had run <laughs> the production first, then had gotten the lawsuit over the rocket shooting out Ridiculous. and killing somebody by putting it through their eye right. or something. And so they had just, instead of like recasting them, right, just like that, instead of recasting the molds, they said, well, we'll just glue the rockets in. Well, and that's what I got. I, I was still so have, disappointed. I still have that Boba Fett, and it's in my son's room. And that rocket, it it's stuck, but it moves. And I I, I got to think that that probably was at some point in time detachable. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I mean, that that is as as you mentioned. But I think it was probably one of the original ones. What were uh, I never had the AT-AT, the all terrain armored transport from Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. I did. You know, <laughs> the AT-AT was awesome. Really was the was the AT-AT the one that was like the storage? You put the toys in it. No, no, this it was, was like an a, actual uh, vehicle with the moving and the, the articulated knees on it clicked when you moved them. And also you put batteries in, so the cannons went in and out. Oh I'm making gosh. hand motions that look like shake weight. Um, <laughs> Please keep that going, <laughs> so Jonathan. The, that the so shake weight hand motions of the front cannons. <laughs> and it it was tremendous because as a, as a six- or seven-year-old kid— 
the height of the attic, it almost came up to your waist. So you felt like you had an enormous. I, enormous... I imagine that you could put troops inside it, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and it had the little pegs on the end. So the main oh, body of it man. had the little pegs where you could stand up your, your troopers in there to make them look. That's and so when you combine that with the snow speeder, yeah. it was hours and hours and hours of fun. My first vehicle was, I remember this incredibly clearly, and we got it at Kitty City. And it was the Darth Vader TIE Fighter. With the oh, they tie wings. You know, you had clearly better stuff than I did, and even I, though I'm a doctor, uh, the child of a doctor. Thing. So I had gotten the Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker figures first, and I was incredibly jazzed by the tiny one-half millimeter thickness plastic lightsaber, which you could move out of their arms. And oh, the yeah, end yeah, yeah, of which yeah, yeah. was incredibly thin. Do you remember? So the lightsaber itself was like half of a millimeter thick, but then it had a little candle-like end to yeah, it, which you bent, could. which itself was like... I don't know, a fifth of the thickness or something like that. And that thing would, like, bend or get twisted off and was always sticking out, even when the lightsaber was theoretically retracted. Uh, I thought that was great. I thought, the in terms of smaller vehicles, I thought the Land Speeder was a really nicely conceived-of toy because it had the wheels, which were on springs. It was a good mold. Which could be a good mold. They could be recessed, and then you could pull a lever so the wheels popped out. And if you put it on your linoleum floor in your kitchen, because we all had linoleum. Nobody had tile or anything like that in their floors. It really looked like it was kind of hovering. Floating. Yeah, it really did. I, I, <laughs> I thought the Land Speeder was in the, cl- in the like $9 class of vehicles. Very, <laughs> very highly how made. Many, how many dollars is that in today dollars? That's an excellent question. It's probably dollars in today. I dollars bet is... it's probably a $19 toy today, okay. something like that, or yeah. an $18 toy if you go to Target. My big gripe, though, was that unlike G.I. Joe, which nearly every vehicle is packaged with a figure, yeah. Star Wars never did that. No. So you get a vehicle, you just get the vehicle, and then you got to go buy the TIE Fighter pilot or the X-Wing pilot mm-hmm. separately. Otherwise, and if you don't, then you're out of luck that Lando Calrissian is flying a, t- a TIE Fighter. You know, that's, <laughs> that's going to happen. Uh, I just had the regular one, which the wigs could pop out. Yes. You know, as if you destroyed it. But I was like, why would you want to destroy the TIE Fighter? Because it's going to win. Um, there were toys that I thought were terrible in that Star Wars collection, by the way. Um, first of all, any figure that didn't come with a weapon. Did you know this? They were like, like C-3PO, Death Star droid. Hands are yes. completely, they were sealed hands. No weapons. It's completely useless. And yet you bought them. Power droid. All of them. You know, uh, you, you just had them. Sonny's looking at me in disbelief. Bosk. Ba- I oh, love All Bosk. of the bounty hunters. I love the, yes. Who's the bounty hunter with all the bandages around his head? Dengar. Dengar. Who has seen a, 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 a <laughs> he was seen a, a second life on the uh, Star Wars, Lego Star Wars uh, uh, TV show, and also on the uh, robot chicken, uh, Seth Green, uh, Star Wars spoofs. But they make Dengar in those video spoofs very flamboyant, which is I like that. Funny. That's a good choice. And, he's, and his ship is a toilet bowl <laughs> in that, you know, chasing after, you know, Slave One and the Millennium Falcon. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, IG-88 was the other uh, bounty hunter, the assassin droid. Do you remember the real, the real cash grab era of Star Wars toys when they gave the die cast miniatures? Yeah. They, they did a run. Yeah. When they put those things out, and they were, I think they were one or one and a half inch tall, just die cast metal action figures that you put in play that didn't move No, they at didn't all. even. They, it was bad enough that the Star Wars figures had limited motion. Right. The, uh, compared with the G.I. Joe and guys. And why but, anybody would need a die cast miniature version of a toy they already people have. People can't get enough. They collect these things. And anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I got the Cloud City Twin Pods. 
Yes, I was terrible. Jesus, like no, Slave no. One, it was a terrible, terrible toy. My father looked at it. He said, it looks like shoes. looks like you bought <laughs> shoes, plastic shoes. Um, and, of course, I'll tell you what I did not get, and I was very disappointed uh, uh, with when I saw a picture of it, um, was the Jabba's Palace. And there's a story about this. They had something go wrong with the Jabba figure, and his eyes are these black, like, black diamonds. <laughs> I mean, that, that makes no sense. Java does not have black diamond eyes. And so I don't know what happened there. But by then, everything was going down. And, you know, I think I have one Return of the Jedi uh, figure. I had stopped collecting by then. I think that's, I, mm-hmm. we have parallel lives. I believe I am yeah. the exact same way. You know, that was it. And the figures did was not. Was the black clad Luke? Yeah. I think no, that's what that's I very, had. No, no, the, no. The I had one of Jabba's, I had one of Jabba's henchmen. And it was given to me as a gift. And not I didn't Lando. Buy it. Not Lando in his Jabba Palace. No, 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 like one of, no. One of the little pig creature things. No, no. This was uh, he. He was like a mummy face with braids, <laughs> and he was the one. He's the he's the he's the character that forces Luke Skywalker onto the plank, the gangplank. Mm, that mm. guy. Yeah. If you want to okay. get into the details, okay. the deets. So, uh, so, so now so that we've done twenty yes, minutes, yes, and really, quickly, literally twenty minutes on uh, yes, Star Wars I'm gonna toys from 20, thirty years ago. Tweeted us your favorite Star Wars <laughs> toys. We would love to hear your favorite memory. Now, I'm actually totally serious about this yes. you should mm-hmm. don't tweet us though just email us and hashtag snaggletooth you, you can tweet at me i won't respond but you can tweet at me that's fine just uh, email me it's the answer, last at the answer is ugnot the answer is ugnot Ugnot. Okay. The, uh, uh but i will say what's funny is they they were they were you know stiff molds these these figures but they had longevity compared to the gi joe figures so my mother she kept all that stuff in our house and when i go up to uh you know, uh, up there, and my, and my son wants to see all the old toys. You know, the GI Joe figures—they were connect. They had screws. They were metal, and they also uh, plastic. They were plastic, but there were metal screws connecting them, and their fancy kung fu grip. But they also had rubber bands su- connecting the body. Over well, you time, could, like, pull them apart. Well, what happened yeah. was over time the rubber bands just dried up, and now they're just body parts everywhere. Just torsos. So when I was a kid, we I would take a screwdriver, I would unscrew the back of the GI Joe, take them apart, oh. take all their, and then make my own GI Joe transplants. Out of them. We were making transplants. No, no, like my own. Like, I would create a backstory mm-hmm. for them, and I would create mm-hmm. a new specialty and mm-hmm. mix up the weapons yeah. and stuff. So you're, and you're... that was sixteen, age sixteen or seventeen, <laughs> and I was really I don't know why. I, I, did yeah. I ever mention that I didn't yeah. get to go to homecoming? <laughs> the, the, so wait, wait, wait. So you were you. You were you were the creepy kid from Toy Story then? No, this was not you like were, mean Frankenstein. You were like you were sure. creating starts that horrible abominations no, out of different this was parts of toys. Your own adventure. This was yeah. mixing airborne yeah. you're, you're, and you know all, yeah, yeah. all torpedo. All sociopaths tell them that they're doing right. good you, things. You, you, what you just described is human centipede. <laughs> is what you just described. Okay. Uh, okay, well, let's move on now. Sonny, should we move on? I think you're saying we should move on. Uh, well, let's, no. I mean, oh, we've only okay. done this for 22 minutes. Let's keep going. So the, qu- we... the question is, again, why are we I talking? I could talk about Ghostbusters toys. Could we talk about Ghostbusters toys? Yeah, we were in college at the time. Yeah, I think, okay, yeah. so the, the reason why we're talking about all this, obviously, is because on December 16th, the biggest movie of the year comes out, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Now, that, that subtitle, it, it, everyone's very excited, but uh, the... Uh, the, the, the subtitle is significant, isn't mm. it? A Star Wars story. What's yes. going on there? Sorry. So neither I nor literally anyone else has seen this movie yet. Uh, They're not going to screen it, right? They are. They will screen it. I have ar- already RSVP'd for the critic screening. I'll see it before you suckers uh, and all you suckers listening. Um, but uh, it is, it's a Star Wars story, which means that they are uh, skipping over, you know, they don't do the fanfare anymore because it's not 20th Century Fox, which is already one big blow. And they're not going to do the crawl with the kind of standard Star Wars, 
stuff. So it's not going to say, and it's not a John Williams scored Star Wars film. I mean, there's they're they're doing what they have done is basically created a a movie that has some of the trappings of Star Wars, but without any of the feel of Star Wars. So there's not going to be like an episode three point five. Nope. There's no. There's no. Uh, there's no explaining what's going on. There's no. Uh, and so the movie. But we already know what happens in this movie. It's a movie about the plans to or the the effort to steal the Death Star plans. Um, so we kind of know what's going to happen, and we kind of know how it's going to end up. And does it have a Mary Sue in it? Probably to give us some continuity, so that people really assume, feel like they're in a Star Wars movie. I assume uh, that this movie will, like Ray from The Force Awakens, uh, have a Mary Sue in it. And a Mary Sue, for those of you who don't know, is a like it's kind of a it's a fan fiction term uh, that denotes a character who is like too good, who is too good at what what she does, and and is loved by everybody, and is you know. Um, anyway, the the uh, so Rogue One comes out. And Rogue One is interesting to me again. Just just from watching the ads, I have no idea. I have no idea what will actually happen in this movie. None of us have seen it. Um, but from the ads, it looks like they are making a very strong effort to evil up the Empire. They are they are really trying. Why to is that? Why, kind of. Why, 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 well, you know, I. It's because of me. It's because of Jonathan Last. Jonathan Last has for years now uh, argued that the Empire. Are actually the good guys. Jonathan. Deep stuff, Jonathan. Yeah, well, this is the only thing anybody will ever. I mean, if I get hit by a bus tomorrow and there's like some fingers deep, crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Seven yeah. editor's dream, by the way. You know, the right. That's uh, Mike Kinsley's joke that the uh, writer uh, submits copy and then get, gets hit by a bus. Yeah. yeah, so if Politico does one paragraph on whoever runs their media, Hadas Gold, does she do Politico? No, she does. Hadas Gold is in Politico. Is she a Politico? Yeah. If she does a media mention of it, it will be, you know, uh, the the guy who mainstreamed the empire being good argument. And this has become, I think, a reasonably accepted cultural stance. It is an it is it is still a minority position, certainly. It minority is a minority permission. position. But it is but it is not laughed out of the room. No, this is this is like Keynesianism in the nineteen late nineteen seventies. It would be like saying you're a fan of British imperialism. I well, that's actually much more verboten now. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would not. I would not. Do I would yeah, I try to. Colonialism. I once I once dared Ross Douthat to write a defense of Rudyard Kipling in the New York Times. And he couldn't he, do he it. He would not. He would not. He he obliquely did it uh, once. Hi, Ross. He obliquely did it once later on, but uh, it was you know. Trump. So when you when you look at the original movies, and the, the key is you have to stick to the movies because all of the expanded universe stuff is really, it, it's really ephemeral because the Lucasfilm people can, and in fact have, just right. wiped it all out. So yep. all the expanded universe that existed before Disney purchased the Star books, Wars, the comics, right, the those cartoons. things are no longer canon, and they, they just were airbrushed out of history. So if you rely on just the movies, what you are told in the original Star Wars, the first six films, is actually quite different from what you see. And you are told that the Empire and the Dark Side are the forces of evil and that the Rebels and the Jedi are the forces of good. But when you actually look at what's going on and you decide that you are not going to simply accept George Lucas's off-the-shelf moral cues, the story you see is very different. And you see a story where you have a reasonably functioning central government run by the empire 
which is certainly autocratic, but is autocratic in the way that uh, I would say your more benign autocracies in history have been. And compared with them, you have a rebellion which is really, really problematic and where people lie constantly all the time, where there is no interest whatsoever in the actual welfare of people or in what comes next after you after you overthrow the empire. And I, I think all things considered, one of the things you learn is that if you're a generic person in the Star Wars galaxy, your life is probably better under the empire than it is at the close of Return of the Jedi. Uh one of the things that really needs to be acknowledged here is that all of this uh, kind of revisionism, if you will, is is predicated upon what happens in the prequels, right? Like the prequels kind of lay out this universe now that it is does. totally that's right, totally non-functional. That is totally uh, you know not great for the average person. Where we learn that the Jedi are. Uh, an, a kind of an aristocracy, a, a genetic uh, lottery-winning band of you know uh, psychopaths who yes. think that they can they they have the right to to, to rule the universe. Um, JBL, can you talk a little bit about the problem with the Jedi? Because <laughs> I thought the Jedi were a force of good. The, the the force, it's it's good versus evil. Is it good versus evil? The Jedi are terrible. They're really, really terrible. So they're unbelievably arrogant. In the prequels, we, we have the Jedi librarian who was asked, to, you know, where's this planet? Jocasta. And she says, well, you know, if it's not in our archives, then it doesn't exist. You're talking about the Camino system? Possibly. And, of course, it does exist and terrible consequences for the galaxy because the Jedi just think, well, we have all the answers. If we don't have the answer, then there isn't a question. Uh, you see, the the when Qui-Gon Jinn shows up, their total acceptance of slavery, Qui-Gon Jinn shows up on Tatooine. He sees little Jake Lloyd with his high midichlorian count. He is told that Jake Lloyd and his mother are slaves, not slave-like, but actual chattel slaves. Actually, and he just, literally owned by someone and sold, someone. bet in, in wagers. And, and his, his, his response to chattel slavery of human beings is to shrug his shoulders. Huh. Except that he wants Jake Lloyd, and so then he's willing to make a bargain and cheat in a in a cheat. wager to take Jake Lloyd from his owner, while leaving the mother there. Qui Gon Jinn is too. All of a sudden, he's got some Star Trek like prime directive where he can't interfere in the affairs of Tatooine and just cut Watto's head off or something like that, which makes zero sense. Except that the Jedi don't care about the average person. The Jedi see something like slavery and just say, meh, okay, fine. Well, he care- he likes uh, Jar Jar Binks, doesn't he? He, I guess, like they Jar get Jar along Binks well. They get along. I guess he can but he does use kind him. Of, but he Secret does... Sith Jar Jar Binks. Secret Sith. Jar-Jar. Yes. Just Google. We're not going to yes, go into this, good. but just Google Secret Sith. We should after Jar-Jar this. Binks. We should have a whole show notes section that we either post somewhere or you tweet out or something with the links to all of these. Yeah. To all of these yeah. pieces. I'll, I'll do that at the Free Beacon in my write up. Yeah, you should do yeah. that. That's yeah. excellent. Um, and so Washington the Jedi, Free Beacon. The Jedi are just terrible all around, and you balance them against. The, the dark side, who we're yeah. told. I, do you remember the, the Darth Side blog? The Darth yes. Vader blog, which is one yes. of the... So this is non-canon. Uh, but there was this fantastic blog written by this guy who decided to take the metaphysics and hermeneutics of Jedi theology seriously and do it then as the blog of Darth Vader, like his diary, his internal diary. 
<laughs> it's really funny up until the very last few essay, last few entries, which he spins out like a 5,000 word essay explaining the dark side and how what the dark side really is, is people who believe that life matters and that, you know, we are in this messy universe. We are all going, we are all worm food in the end. And that in the interregnum, we must work hard and fight to make the universe a better place. And we cannot just be disinterested observers who believe that we are above, above humanity and above this thing called life. And this is, I would say it really works as an explanation right. for what the Jedi and the dark side well, are. Well, I was, I, I was never attracted to the to the rebellion watching it as a kid i mean if you watch those movies the they're kind of a ragtag bunch you know i mean there's nothing very you know nothing really defines them in terms of how they look the ships uh that they fly in versus i mean you ever see those giant uh transports that they're on there's just lots Mm. of curves and humps and interestingly the uh big fan of germany in the room is is in favor (laughs) of you know a uniform look sharp angles and great uniforms ordnung i mean i'm sorry order and uh great uniforms but i thought it was and who did you dress up for halloween you dressed up as darth vader right this is what i was going to say i look our, our our neighborhood has a uh Halloween parade block party, and if anyone's dressed up in Star Wars outfits, they're not dressed up, you know, as Qui Gon Jinn, Storm you know, or Luke Skywalker. Look, think it's of it, Boba Fett, Stormtrooper, Trooper, uh, Kylo way. Ren. Yeah. Think of it this way: in the Harry Potter universe, Voldemort is really bad. There isn't really a case to be made, although I may have written one at one point. But there really isn't a case <laughs> to be made. It was Voldemort being the secret good guy, and as a result of that, you never see kids dressed up as Voldemort. This is something that literally yeah. never happens. Yeah. Yet on Star Wars, people into it just they they get to their core yeah. that they're being fed a line by Lucas and that the Empire isn't really bad and there's something kind of cool about them and yeah. interesting. What is what is that? Oh, go ahead, Sonny. Well, this is this is one of the things that you kind of uh, if you are a student of Empireology, um, this is one of the things that you notice in The Force Awakens is how J.J. Abrams has to really go out of his way to evil up. The, the remnant of the empire, like literal Nazi rallies. And in, in, if you go back and watch A New oh, yeah. Hope, go back and watch A New Hope and watch the end scene, the, the scene in the, 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 the awards room, <laughs> right? What actually happens in there is like something out of a Riefenstahl film. It's literally modeled it is, on a, yes, it's literally is, modeled a, shot, on a you look Riefenstahl at the screen caps, you so, can see the shot for so shot. So if you, if you watch that, the rebels are actually the Nazi rally. And in The Force Awakens, you have the screaming Hitlerite yes. hucks. That's Davno uh, Gleason, right? Yeah, Yelling. which is which is Brendan Gleason's son. Yes. He's he's very good in other movies. He's not very good in this because again, it's so Horribly over the top. Yeah, so over the top. I, over I don't the even top. know if he's miscast. I just think the character is conceived poorly it, as this kind of screaming. Because if you again go back to A New Hope and the Empire, they are steely. You know, you have your Grand Moff Tarkin, who is a steely kind of presence, but he's not a screaming Nazi Hitlerite type. No. He's not a he's not a lunatic. They're they're just no, they're they're just they're just dudes who are trying to maintain some order in the universe. To make, this is literally they are explicit right. about this that yep. all the Empire wants is order. This is Darth Vader's pitch to Luke in yep. Empire. He doesn't say, "Join me and we will rule the galaxy with an iron hand and extract wealth." Well, he kind and, of does, except for that. Yeah. No, and extract wealth and have ourselves a bunch of slaves and get you know a bunch of beautiful chicks right. or anything like yeah. that. Yeah, and what did you say? And, and we could put an end. Put to an, this. We could put an end to this destructive, destructive conflict and bring yeah. order. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's what what's wrong, wrong with, with order? Hmm. So yeah, and then this is Grand Moff Tarkin. So Grand Moff Tarkin's doctrine. Uh, the, the, Tarkin people, the Tarkin Doctrine, as we like to say, is that we're going to build this giant battle station because if we do this, 
then we can rule the universe not through force, but through the credible threat of force. Yes. It is very much like the Pax Americana. This is very much like the Pax Americana. And again, it, you just have to go beyond what it is that George Lucas is spoon-feeding you. Didn't I hear somewhere somebody has written about uh, Return of the Jedi being some sort of Vietnam War allegory, I guess, in terms of the Ewoks as the Viet Cong mm. versus the Americans. Let's talk about the Ewoks. <laughs> Let's talk about the Ewoks. Because you know what I see when I see Return of the Jedi? I see imperialist rebels convincing the helpless, literally furry, non-armored, stick-waving Ewoks to go against armored, laser-bearing uh, stormtroopers. This is imperialism at its worst. The Ewoks lived in peace with the Empire. The Ewoks lived on the moon of Endor, and they did nothing. They were not, they were not hunted to extinction. They were, not, you know, they were just kind of live and let live. And then you have this uh, magical person come uh, and, and show them the golden god of C-3PO and say, your god tells you. And pretend to be a god. Your god you, this you is pretends go, to be this a god. cultural right. imperialism. You worst. go out <laughs> and you fight for your god. You go destroy the awful people who are oppressing us. And, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really uh, uh, horrifying. If you think about it for more than the 30 seconds that George Lucas asks you to think about it, it's really a horrifying state of affairs. And you look, it's not an accident that the Empire comes down to build their shield generator on Endor, and they choose to do it in such a way with minimal environmental impact from what we can see. In such a way <laughs> no, where the truth is, the Ewoks, the, the far moon, moon there were no emissions. No, zero emissions. Both Very the little Ewoks are running around player. doing their no. thing, yeah. and the Empire's in minimal contact with them. It's almost like you're treating the, the Ewoks as the an worst endangered destruction species. that happened was when the Rebels blew up the uh, shield. Well, wasn't it? Think, well, the, well actually, a, it takes up a huge. Who, Sonny, who was it who wrote this? Yeah. The, uh, the, I can't remember. The physics of what happens if you blow up Death Star Two above the moon of Endor. It would. Immediately, the Ewoks become extinct because as that debris is falling, Mm. it's like the it's the equivalent of a giant asteroid. Flash fires across the moon. Yeah. So the end of this, which shows the Ewoks celebrating and drumming and singing "Yub Yub," forty five minutes later, they're all dead. Every last one of them, (laughs) and it's because of C three PO and the rebels. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Yeah. So this is this is you know these are all things to consider as you go into Rogue One. Can we talk about Alderaan? We can talk about Alderaan. (laughs) So uh, because Sunny, the Empire must be evil. They blew up Alderaan. So this is a this is a common refrain that you hear from genocide, isn't it, Sunny? This is what you hear from rebel apologists: is that (laughs) the destruction of Alderaan is per se a bad thing. That they the, the Empire is evil because they blew up a planet. Now, as we mentioned, there is a thing called the Tarkin Doctrine, which basically says we will build this giant space station at great cost to the Empire uh, in order to maintain peace around the world or around the galaxy. Sorry, I'm confusing it again with the Pax Americana. Um, the, the, you know, yes, it is perhaps a drastic course of action to destroy uh, an entire planet. But let's remember it's a planet of traitors. It's a planet of people who are funding a rebellion. It's a planet of people who are providing the intellectual and ideological reasons for this rebellion. So it's not like they're all just kind of innocent bystanders in this thing. Um, the simple, the simplest way to describe the Tarkin Doctrine is to say, well, you lose one planet and you save the rest, right? You lose one planet and you maintain order. You save the rest. It's Hiroshima. You, you, I was going to say, exactly. are you making a? It's it's an atomic bomb argument. Exactly. Right? So you know. 
uh, I am I am open to the idea that uh, Alderaan is some sort of terrible tragedy, but only if you're equally willing to condemn uh, Harry Truman to the annals of history as a horrible warmongering uh, uh, monster. And if you aren't, and most reasonable people aren't, then I think Tarkin gets a pass. Also important to remember that everything we think we know about Alderaan comes from Princess Leia. A liar. Right. A and noted Princess liar. Princess Leia, in, in episode four, literally every single statement she makes to the Empire is a knowing falsehood. She In the beginning, she says, I don't have any plans. I don't know what you're talking about. She says that this ship is a diplomatic ship. We're on a mission of mercy. A mission of mercy. Both of these things are lies. When she Also, is, the rebel base of Dantooine. When she was brought yes. to, to be with, the, uh, with Tarkin and he threatens to blow up Alderaan, she says, we don't have any, any, plan, any weapons at all. Why, why should we believe this? We have everything else she said is lying. And then when she finally gives the name of, of the base and gives it up, she's lying about that when she fingers yeah. Dantooine. So the, you would have to believe suddenly that of all the falsehoods she has told, that suddenly she's a reliable witness because she says, well, we, we're peaceful. We don't have any weapons. Yeah. Uh, it, I would say it's, in a way it's, it's not even blowing up. Uh, it's not even dropping the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It would be like dropping the bomb on Fallujah. You know, to to make an example, because yeah. it, is, it is in fact yeah. you know not a normal planet. It is in no. fact the headquarters of the the rebellion. Yeah, yeah. They and also in all this, we would be rel- well, I would say remiss to not talk about our our Twitter buddy comfortably smugs piece about mm. the radicalization of Luke Skywalker. Yes. Because you can very, very easily read Decider. Decider dot com. It was Decider dot com. Yeah. If we'll Sonny, you'll put all this. Go yes. follow Sonny yes, on Twitter yes. or go to freebeacon.com. Freebeacon.com. And you can read Luke Skywalker's entire narrative arc through episodes four, five, and six as a young boy who has been orphaned and is being radicalized by a militant religion. And it's totally persuasive, I would say. Yeah. Uh, well, Comfortably Smug is one of our uh, favorite people on Twitter because he has, I think, kind of definitively proven that Luke Skywalker is not to be trusted. Luke Skywalker Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, look, I feel pity for Luke Skywalker. <laughs> He's, he has fallen under the sway of uh, uh, aged leaders of madrasas and, you know... I'm shrugging. I'm shrugging right now so, into the so, into the mic. It's not really working. Rogue One, uh, is, uh, to use the term, is too big to fail, right, guys? I mean, it's going to be a big movie, even if it's bad. But it can't be bad. You think it's going to be I'm, bad? I don't think it's going to be that bad. I don't know. I mean, uh, from a from a pure box office perspective, uh, I can't see this movie doing less than three hundred million dom- right. domestic, and I can't see it doing less than eight or nine hundred million worldwide. And um, and as a result. This Star Wars story, Here's then this is their test because then they're going to come up with a bunch of other right. Star Wars stories. Well, they're, they're currently shooting the young Han Solo movie, right. which sounds That's terrible right. and, and with Alden really, Ehrenreich. really awful. Alden Could Ehrenreich, they make who is Han fantastic. Solo trans, I'd really like that. That's a that's a what if. We we need like a what if Star Wars universe. Well, it would be like Bob Dylan played by uh, <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Sure, uh, but the. The, like no, I, mean, I don't mean play. I mean oh. may play yep. him as trans. Oh. I just think that he should. He should start as a woman, is what you're saying. And that halfway through the movie, he becomes over. I just yeah. feel like we're so pinned in to all this, all this privilege in the Star Wars universe, mm-hmm. and I'm a little woke myself. A little, a little, a little. That's why we use the Scandinavian toys at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we have these movies coming out one a year, basically from here to the horizon. To, until you are dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Until you are in the ground and being eaten by worms, 
uh, or we all die in the nuclear fire uh, that is precipitated by our great uh, new administration. The the you will have a uh, a Star Wars movie in December forever. You will have a Star Wars movie in the month of December celebrating the birth of Christ till you're dead. Do you you will, uh, do you think then that there'll probably be a Star Wars story say about the Bothan spies who took the uh, blueprints are... for the second Death Star between episodes five and six? Would I think the end like game that? of this? Many many Bothans died, as Mon Mothra says. <laughs> the end game of this is when we have spinoffs that don't touch the original trilogy at all. Mm, yeah. And now, in a way, actually, I am hopeful for Rogue One, not just because it has Mads Mikkelsen in it, and I'll watch him. Love Mads Mikkelsen. He's great. Yeah. He really great. is great. But I, I, I am hopeful that Disney finally doesn't feel hemmed in by the original movies anymore, that they can treat this as a real blank canvas to just try to do some good storytelling. But when we progress to the point where all of a sudden you can be spinning off of new characters, so mm. there may be you know the the blind monk in Rogue One becomes so interesting that he can have his own movie. I don't think we're well, I, that's that's ten years from now. I think. It's at least ten years from now, and like I think honestly, what we're more likely to see is a comic book series with the blind monk, or a TV, even like a cartoon TV series with the blind monk. I don't think that you can put together a one hundred fifty to two hundred fifty million dollar movie that's not. Based in some way on beloved characters from the original. Let trilogy. me throw right. this at you. I want to see cameos, right? That's what some people are probably going to hope. It was Darth Vader cameo. Well, Darth Vader. Throw this at you. Do you need to have all of the Star Wars be two hundred million tent dollar flicks, or could you do what Marvel has no, done no. and have like a Deadpool? This is one of the things right. I have always wondered and thought would be amazingly cool, although risky from a corporate sense would be to say that we own this giant franchise now. We own the entire universe. Why do they all have to be Star Wars movies? Why yeah. can't we do a movie set in the Star Wars universe that's actually a heist film? Why can't we do one well, but that's, that's basically sort of a thriller? Why can't we do a buddy comedy? True. Why, you know, but this is the idea behind the a Star Wars story idea, right? This right. is the this is like this is supposed to be a heist flick. Rogue but I want to supposed to be. A I want to stretch flick. it outside you, of the genre. What you even. want is a, what you want is a ten million dollar Boba Fett movie where he's like hunting. He's like he's basically what you want. What you want. I know what you want is a ten million dollar Shane Black. Boba Fett movie set in Christmas or Life Day, whatever you want, uh, 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 where Boba Fett has to track down, uh, you know, some some rogue Wookiee and uh, really, really, you know, to add to his Wookiee pelts. Exactly. And they wind up as unlikely friends. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I'm to- I actually totally. And there's. Yes, if you go into Dr. Afra, who is a character in the Star Wars, the current Marvel reboot Star Wars comics, who I think could wind up being sort of funny. And I, I, I is my hope that we can get to a point where the franchises are all so profitable that you can have them operating at different financial levels. So you can have 10 or $20 million movies. You can even have an R-rated, not like for, for but just an adult grown-up Star Wars movie that is maybe a little more sophisticated. But don't you think... It's kind of in that universe, but off in a corner that don't, you don't have to worry about the kids going so to. So I, I agree with you. This would be fantastic because I'm emotionally and intellectually stunted and this would be great for me personally is to watch nothing but star wars movies don't nothing you think, but star wars Star Wars. don't you think that this would uh lead drop to my drink <laughs> uh lead to a little bit of star wars overload do you have comic book a movie overload uh, ah. a question. <laughs> no because what you're here for is the stories. If when, the stories are good, 
then you can't have too much good storytelling. Mm. As an outsider, uh, since I'm not a Star Wars geek like the two of you clearly, oh, you talked about Star Wars toys for 20 minutes. You know, I don't I'm read not, about I'm Star not, Wars no, now, and you know it, we, we've been on the air for two hours. This is an extra. This is a supersized edition been, of the, the Substandard podcast. There are now only six people left listening yeah, to thank this you, podcast. Thank you. I'm really, really, really glad to know. I'm really glad Steve Vic Hayes Mattis, gave us the shout out this week. Vic Mattis and I went together to see Meet Joe Black in the theater. It looks like we're running out of time, John. The sole purpose of being able to see the Phantom Menace teaser, the original Phantom Menace teaser. Did you stay teaser. all the way through the movie to see Not it again at the we, end? Yes. Ah! Ah! When Vic beginning and Mattis- the end. Says, oh, I'm not a Star Wars geek. Ooh. No, the beginning and the end. <laughs> and I kind of enjoyed Meet Joe Black, by the way. Okay, not, it's, you know, it's not terrible. There are all these girls it's got there. Claire Forlani in yes, it. Yes, Claire Forlani. Claire Forlani from Mallrats. There were six Mallrats people and Claire Jeffrey Forlani. Tambor. There were six movie. people in that movie theater, and <laughs> you and I were two of them. <laughs> well, we counted as one because we shared a seat. Okay. <laughs> Um, when you're talking about the, e- uh, I'm going to say this really quickly, just as one final thought about the the eviling of the empire. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola had the same idea after Godfather One, which was people so idolized Michael Corleone, he was the coolest thing ever, and he had said, and I think this is in Peter Biskin's book on the Godfather Companion, that his intent in Godfather Two was to make Michael Corleone truly evil, you know, so that people will make no mistake. This is a bad person, and he Fredo. had him do all these things, and he killed Fredo. But, of course, the result is everyone loved Michael Corleone yeah. even more because yeah. everyone didn't like Fredo. So Fredo was garbage. I think that the Empire will continue to be a, a cool thing. I, this is a very interesting question as to whether or not Disney decides that they've taken the Empire's good critiques to such heart that in Rogue One they decide they have to have Darth Vader kill a puppy or something like yeah. that to try to make him totally irredeemable. I, I really what I, what I honestly hope— what I really, in my heart of hearts, hope, and again, I've not seen it, I have no idea what happens, is that Darth Vader force chokes this movie's Mary Sue to death. <laughs> <laughs> On screen, in the closing moments, just to be like, he's bad. He's bad, guys. I bet you Darth Vader will make Mads Mikkelsen cry tears of blood. I don't know why I think that, but something about that. Um, okay, we have to move on now. Uh, this is Hour the, this seven is, yes. of the substandard <laughs> special it, Star Wars. Honestly, episode. we could do this all day, if you listen, literally all if, day. If you like to listen to the podcast while running, you have just run a marathon, by the way. Thank you. Uh, corrections. And Jonathan has a bunch. I have one. Uh, so let me just get this out of the way. Last time we were, as a friend of ours would say, Jonathan, last time we were talking turkey, and uh, uh, we were, I was asking why some people call stuffing dressing, and none of us knew this, and, uh, and didn't have an answer. But according to our friend and longtime listener, Daniel Halper, um, he says that dressing is a southern term. Huh. Uh, according to my best friend, Chris Worshoven, who is a big-time foodie, he says that dressing is stuffing that is cooked outside of the bird oh. in a separate dish. Correction wow. fight. There is a Correction fight. Take that, take that, Dan Halper. And uh, uh, I was going to say it was a southern term, much like Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is mm. a southern term. Oh, okay. So, um, Jonathan, you had corrections. Uh, So the other big corrections I had, I got a ton of email about Silent Night, Deadly Night. (laughs) People saying that Victorino was so wrong. Oh, really? Mike Russell, who is one of my, (laughs) I think, the two best full-time film critics in in America, Mike Russell and Sonny Bunch. Oh. Mike Mike says that Silent Night, Deadly Night is redeemed by this insane scene with the grandfather. We actually watched this before we went on air, <laughs> where a grandfather is talking to a little five-year-old boy and tries to scare the crap out of him by saying, if you see Santa tonight, you better run for your life. 
That's fantastic. My uh, my brother-in-law, Sean Dunbar, writes in and says that Silent Light, Deadly Night uh, is an incredibly special movie because it's a trailblazer of Yuletide hack slash movies. Uh-huh. There was Silent Deadly Night, Silent Night, Deadly Nights, two, two, three, four, yeah. and five, as well as the Krampus series. Krampus. Uh, <laughs> There are all sorts of great one-liners in it, and it even leads us to Jack Frost, the mutant killer snowman. So, uh, Not the Michael Keaton Jack Frost. Yes, he's a huge, huge fan of Silent Night, Deadly Night. You know what? It's dark out there in America right now. It's very dark. <laughs> no, you. it's morning in America. Yeah, morning in America, right? It's like the pre-dusk dark. Of magic those. hour in America. Magic. It's magic hour <laughs> in America. Right, right. This is... Uh, uh. And Sonny, you're fine, obviously. I have no correction. Well, why don't you tell us, Sonny? You know what you are? Yeah. You are you are. this show's Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. I am. <laughs> I am. This is, well, but this is why I wear the kind of onesie, the, you know, the the blue. Uh, and yeah, that's find, why I have a mullet. Find the, find the technical term for what you're talking about. A uh, singlet. Yeah, singlet. Ah, I did it. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell us that, Sonny? No corrections uh, on singlet. <laughs> what is our spirit of the week? Our spirit of the week is Old Line uh, Single Malt American Whiskey. Uh, it's uh, distilled in Baltimore, Maryland. It is a gift from my uh, friend and coworker, one Mr. Bill Gertz, the senior editor at the Washington Free Beacon. Um, it is made by the troops. So if you don't like the spirit, you hate the troops. Mm-hmm. How does it taste, boys? Jonathan, would you like it's to good. give it a smell? I know you won't drink it. It smells like poverty. You? See, this wow. is the, just the really, you know it's honestly that, disrespectful this is, this is to America. I yeah. support the troops. Frankly, to uh, say such a thing. I it's really, it's nice. really good. It's, if you're, it's if you're full in, bodied, I thought full bodied and a little bit of sweetness. It's, it's both full bodied and smooth, which is a neat trick to pull off. No. And it's, it's a, I'm going to send a tofurkey to the troops. I quite <laughs> enjoy it. And I think that uh, you would quite enjoy it. If you live in the D.C. area, I don't, I don't know where they ship it to. I'm sorry. I didn't research this very well. Uh, but uh, if you live in the D.C. area, check it out. Old Line. Baltimore, Maryland's Old Line. It God, does have God. a very attractive bottle. God bless America. Okay. Well, that is all the time we have on this week's episode of the Substandard. Questions, comments, complaints, compliments. Tweet us at Vicarito Mattis, at Sonny Bunch, at JV Last Not Really. Again, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Just type in Substandard on the podcast. We're there. I say that because if you just type in Substandard alone on iTunes, it comes up like there's a band or something called Substandard. We're, we're the first, on the, if you search yeah. within the podcast or we're, we're the search in, in the, the podcast podcasts. universe, we're, we're, the, we're the tops. Leave a review uh, and uh, tell your friends. Until next time. All right. Okay. Woo! So, podcast, you know what? Worst, I didn't even. I didn't Star even, Wars toy. Oh, we're Star Wars toy. Oh, worst toy. What was your least oh. favorite toy? Period. I don't. I don't know about that. But you know what? The, Stretch the, Armstrong. The, 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 I had no. I had his villain, who was a lizard. You could stretch yes. that. But I have to tell you something really insane. Um, uh, a friend of mine, Stevie Starris, uh, his family, they had a penguin doll from a company called uh, like Kids of America or something. From 2009. They've had it for years. And you squeeze the penguin's uh, hand and it makes, sings penguin songs. Like a yeah, penguin voice, very cute, chirpy, you know, Christmas songs. They've had it for years. And she just posted this on Facebook. They pressed it recently and a voice came on. So they had something happened where the guy making it, all of a sudden it says, Boo! Where do you think you're going? <laughs> Terrifying. That's its own. Hack slash movie. Yeah, right. no kidding. That's so a friend said, just throw it in the garbage. I said, you do that, you're going to wake up in the middle of the night, he'll be staring at you.
You have to burn it. You can't you know, kill it with fire. Yeah. That's the only. What was the. There was an, an industrial presser like the Terminator. <laughs> there was. What was the toy that was like a guy who would kick a football? Do you remember this? There was yeah, like you, you was... pounded his head. Yes. And a little yes. Football, terrible, 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 terrible. I don't remember. Terrible. What the, the commer- I have such detailed memories my of God. all these commercials. My as a God. Kid. My God. What? I cannot what? believe this. Well, what I did you play with? What I millennial play. toys did you play with? Uh, <laughs> let's see. I was born in 1982, so I was kind of the early oh side of millennials. My, I, was, I was a uh, Ghostbusters, obviously, and the Ninja, Lady Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles. The, paternal, the patriarchal the Ghostbusters. The patriarchal. Ghostbusters, okay. and also uh, the original, the original NES. I am so excited for the NES Classic, you guys. The mini NES system that's coming out uh, for Christmas, and it's going to just be tons of great eight bit. Favorite games. NES game? Go, Contra. Oh, I oh. love that game. Uh, I played that in the arcade. A B B A. Oh yeah. Forward, forward, back, back. A B A B down, down. Uh, the Contra code. Yeah, yeah. Up down, Good stuff. Down. Good stuff. VLM favorite NES game? Go. You're gonna have to tell me what is that Nintendo? I didn't have a Nintendo. Jesus, Christ. I because had you couldn't figure out how to Atari. plug it in. I had Atari. <laughs> the RF switch was a yes. million times no. more complicated than Do the I want HDMI. Channel three I had, or Channel Four. I had four. the Atari 2600, right. and then I had ColecoVision. Oh my God! You're and the then worst. we went All for right, many JBL, years. JBL, you, you, what's your favorite? I got an Apple. Stop, stop. Just, I'm done with you. <laughs> JBL, what is your favorite about uh, NES stop. game? I love Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl was great. I love uh, Double Dribble. Double Dribble was great. Kings of the Beach, terrible. Video. You played the sports video games. Loved the sports. That's games. interesting. The only one I really loved was Baseball Simulator 1000, which is one of the greatest games of all time. But Zelda uh, was great. Zelda was great. Zelda. No, I, uh, I, Contra is still. I would play that. I could probably beat it now without using the code. You give me if you gave me one practice run through, I could beat it right now without using the code. I loved a Bard's Tale on Apple IIe. Jesus Christ! It's really exciting. You can you know lots of scrolling. Okay, I think we're good. Yeah, it's pretty good. I'm sure it's fine.